All right, hello and welcome to another episode of the Long Ball Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. You're listening to myself, Albert. And as always, I'm joined by my brother Barney. How are you doing, Barney? How's things? Yeah, all right, man. Um, obviously, it's the big one. It's the awards show, as well yeah. as other other things. Um, it's been one of our... It's, well, it's my, certainly my favourite show to do of the year. Um, I've just been saying to you, though, I need to get my, my head in the game now because I've just been lying in a dark room for an hour, putting my daughter <laughs> to sleep, and <laughs> don't feel pumped up for a, an awards ceremony party type thing. I need to G myself up. But I'm good otherwise, man. Well, of course, as Barney says, this is a really special episode of the Long Ball Football Podcast. It is our annual Long Ball Football Awards Ceremony. Uh, and for anyone who's new to the show, who maybe started listening to the season, you might not know. But for the last two seasons, we've done an end of season awards show, which to celebrate the end of the season and to celebrate all the best things that the Premier League has to offer, we dish out some uh, awards. And those awards will be for the best player, best young player, Best Manager and a very special award for this podcast, something we call the Ryan Gould Award for the best player in a relegated team. So a lot coming up, but it's not just going to be awards. Me and Barney will also be revealing our team of the season. And as is tradition, not just our team of the season, but our team of this season also, which doesn't involve any players from the top four, which is always uh, really interesting. And finally, there will be an end-of-season Q&A with you, the listener. So an awful lot to enjoy. If you're listening on Patreon, you're going to listen to all three parts in one go. But for the rest of you, the podcast will be released in three parts. Today will be the awards. Tomorrow will be the team of the season. And the next day after that will be the Q&A. So strap yourselves in. This is going to be a big one, but we really appreciate everyone listening um, it's just a reminder, as always, that if you've enjoyed listening to the show this season, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can leave us a star rating on Spotify. Uh, you can s- send the podcast to a friend you think might enjoy it. And of course, as I mentioned, those on Patreon will have already listened to the uh, to the the whole thing. So if you don't want to wait the two days to listen to the whole thing, you can sign up to our Patreon, become a long ball football socio for just one pound a month. Well. Before we get started, Varney, this is something that we started last year as a bit of a tradition. Because if you remember, way, way, way back at the beginning of the season, feels like a lifetime ago now, um, one of our pre-season episodes was where me and Barney made our predictions. Now, the season before this, we recorded them on the show. This year, we forgot to actually record them, so we wrote them down. But Barney, I found the evidence. I've scoured through our Twitter page from when we tweeted out our predictions for this season and boy do they make interesting reading we predicted uh, i don't know if you remember we predicted what we thought the top six would be then we predicted what we thought the bottom three would be and then we predicted such things as top scorer top assists best young player and biggest surprise team um I'll, I'll, I'll be nice, Barney. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? <laughs> go on, give me mine first. Okay. All right, well, let's start with Barney's predictions for the 22-23 <laughs> season. <laughs> and let's start at the top of the table. So Barney's predicted top six. It starts off very well. Number one, Benfica, spot on. I'm going to jump jump forward a little bit. We both predicted Benfica to finish top of the table. We pat ourselves on the back a bit for that. Um, I think we should enjoy the positives when they come up because there's not many. Uh, Because Barney predicted in second place, Sporting 
And in third place, Porto, fourth place, Braga. So a top four of Benfica, then Sporting, then Porto, then Braga. So not a million miles off. I mean, we knew it was going to be those four. Obviously, Sporting, you predicted to do a little bit better than they did. Yeah, I'm not sure what my thinking was there. I think, but maybe at that point, Matthias Nunes hadn't, hadn't moved. Mm. Um, obviously, held Ammer in a sort of much higher regard than I perhaps do now. Um, and I was probably on the Marcus Edwards hype as well, getting ready for him to have the season of his life. But that yeah. didn't quite pan out. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, I feel bad on the Porto and Braga now. But I think at the beginning, you know, I actually didn't rate Porto's chances that much. At the beginning of the season, I'm not sure mm. why. I think it was the sort of lack of the activity in the transfer market. Was they lost Fatinia, Fabio Vieira? I thought there'd be too much to change. But hey, there you go. Well, the top four is easy, of course, isn't it? Because it's just about getting in the right order. It's yeah. more interesting when you get down to fifth and sixth. I tell you what, Bunny, you've not done badly at all. I'm going to give bad. you some credit here because sixth place. We'll start at sixth. Vittoria, spot on, mm. absolutely spot on. That's where they finish. And fifth place. I'm not going to hammer you for this at all. You went for Burvista. Now, obviously, it didn't quite happen. I think they finished, what, ninth? So they were banging in the middle of the table. Um, but I don't think that's a bad shout for a team to have a good season. No, I think I, the, my main thing with that, Albert, was Victoria being in six. I think <laughs> I didn't expect them to... Uh, I, I thought there was going to be an opportunity for another team in this league to sort of leap from mm. as, as they had, as had previous seasons, um, which which obviously was the case. Although I think Victoria actually have done better than I... I think for they would have um, and when I made those predictions. Um, and then, yeah, Boa Vista. They, I just thought they had a decent squad um, and Petit was an OK manager, just sort of had a, perhaps higher hopes. Um, but yeah, not bad, not bad. I'm, I'm, I'm OK with that, Albert. I'm OK with that for those predictions. Well, let's move on then, shall we, to the bottom three. Do you remember this, Barney? No, I don't remember my bottom three at all. Well, let's go through them because in 16th place, you've gone for Family Cow. That would have been a relegation playoff place. Of course, Family Cow had a very strong end to the season, managed to finish in eighth place. 17th place, you went for Aruka. Um, obviously, they finished in fifth, had the season, a very memorable season, qualified for the Europa Conference League. In 18th place... But so far, two of my teams could have got into Europe, or one has. <laughs> and, and let's complete the full house, Barney. 18th, Vizela. Um, obviously, didn't quite get into Europe, but had a very good season. Um <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it, but I'm not going to I'm not going to talk about Aruka at all um, for reasons <laughs> which will become apparent. Uh, Vizela in last place and Family Count in Vizela and Aruka, do you know what? I think fair enough because they were newly promoted the season before and had good seasons. And I think we'd seen that where newly promoted clubs had come up, done well, had their best players taken from them and then struggled. Obviously, that didn't happen in the end. Family Cow is an interesting one, though, because I think they'd been up and down for a while and maybe we just thought their time had run out or something like that. Yeah, they had a really bad end to the season last season. Um, you know, they sort of just scraped scraped, uh, scraped through, avoided a um, relegation playoff. I think that's right. And then um, I just thought there was too many... Uh, too many players coming in. You know, I just didn't. I didn't trust. I didn't trust they were going to get it right again. You know, just I thought they just. You know, mm. their luck might have run out. I feel bad about Vizela, but I think that was a perhaps a narrow-minded opinion. Just I think just perhaps I just didn't know enough about the club. You know, I feel like I've learned a lot about them this season. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think um, that was just a bit naive for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we'll quickly go through your like player predictions. So you predicted top goal scorer. You went. You went for two people. Uh, one was Pedro Gonzalez. Uh, the other was Evan Nilsson. I don't mind that, though, to be fair, because I think we thought Evan Nilsson would, would kind of step up because he had a good season before, didn't he? So it wasn't too bad. Best young player. I mean, I don't mind these shouts 
Maga, the Vittoria right back, which I think he again had a good end to the season. We thought he might play well. And then Relvas is is, is from Portimonense. Yeah, yeah. And actually didn't have a bad season, although again, their team struggled. So they're not awful shouts. No, I've always been a fan of Relvas. I think um, he's obviously playing in a, a pretty bad team, but uh, yeah, he's, he's certainly got his um, products this season. And then Maga just, you know, the injury problems sort of really stuttered his his season yeah. and his development. But um, yeah, they look all right. And then surprise team, we'll end on a positive, Barney. Surprise team, Shavs. I don't think that was a million miles away from the truth. Yeah, I thought so hearing from um, our friend, from a specialist, the Segunda, at the beginning of the, the season when we sort of looked at the promoted teams, hearing what he had to say about Shao Tesherian, it just caught me. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a team that might, might have signed to them. And yeah, they certainly did so. Yeah, it's not bad predictions, Albert. It's, it's it's okay. Well, it's about to get a lot worse as we head <laughs> over to my predictions. Um, I think you've stitched me up by going last, actually, Barney. All right, so there's top six. All right, my predicted top six. I'm going to read you five out of the top six because I've gone for Benfica in first, Porto in second, and then the one I got wrong was I put Braga below Sporting. So I put Br- Sporting third, Braga fourth. And we both said, I think people can go back and listen to the episode. I think the quote from me was that I don't think Braga... Are have ever been further away from cracking the top three. I think that was my quote, something along those lines. Because they they lost Cavaliao, um, they lost a couple of players, and I thought I just found the promotion of Arthur George fairly underwhelming. Um, I perhaps didn't see the you know the youth players that they had that would do well. So listen, got to take that one on the chin. Got that wrong. Um, skip fifth for a second and go to sixth place because I also put Victoria in sixth. I think that was fairly easy to predict that they would be stronger, but perhaps not as strong as they could be. But I think we both thought they would just get back into Europe. Fifth place, Bonnie. Can you remember who I predicted for fifth? No, I was going to say it's your percent, but I don't think that's right. Even worse, Bonnie. Santa Clara. Oh. <laughs> Which is an absolutely outstanding show. <laughs> I don't know what I thought. No, yeah. I but in my defence, in my yeah. defence... I saw Santa Clara as the next family cow, right? In terms mm. of a team who'd brought a lot of promising players from all different parts of the world, who at that time, I think it was Mario Silva, the manager, who I actually rated quite a lot. And obviously the season didn't start well. They sacked him and then it really went off a cliff. But I saw this as a team with a promising young manager with loads of interesting players who were going to do things differently and had the opportunity to, you know, be an outsider in this league and uh, take the league a bit by storm. Obviously couldn't have been further on the truth. It looks worse than it is on paper, I think, you know. Mm. No, no, I was going to say exactly what you said there, mate. Like, I think at that at that point, you know, there was still hope and there was still, you know, they... they you look at the recent they signed Tagua, who sort of done well last season. Obviously, they just they sold Marita to Sporting. You know, they 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 had a, an eye for a player. We thought, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, obviously that didn't pan out this season. Yeah, well, bottom three again. This really isn't great. Sixteenth place. I also put Vizela in there. I think it must have been the same thinking as you that because they did they were in the relegation battle the season before. Mm-hmm. I don't think they really improved the squad, and I just thought maybe they didn't have the budget to compete. Seventeenth place, Barley. Uh, I want it on record that my Portimonense hate has been from the beginning of the season. This is not something new. I put them at 17th. Um, and then 18th. This is the worst one. I put Aruka at 18th. Well, bottom. So I have to apologise to all Aruka uh, fans and the club. I got that completely wrong. I think like you, we just saw them as, I think they have one of the smallest budgets in the league. They punched above their weight. They just survived last season. They were in the relegation battle for the whole of last season. I think they finished one place above 
the relegation playoff spot. And I just thought, you know, I didn't see things getting any better. So how wrong was I? And, and I'm, I'm perfectly happy to perfectly happy to have been wrong in that case. Well, look, it's credit to the job they, they've done that we've been so wrong on them. You know, the, um, <clears throat> I think we didn't have too many um, hopes for their, their after seeing the window, we obviously didn't know many of the players that they brought in. But then look, all well, those players turn out to be gems, or most of them anyway. And uh, yeah, they've had a fantastic season. So. I will happily take I'll happily take that one on Shin. All right, we'll quickly run through the play predictions. Top score, I went for Ricardo Horta. Felt like an easy pick at the time. Nice. I mean, he, he, decent season. Top assists, David Nerez. I don't think he actually got that many assists. I don't think I'd really seen him play, to be honest, because he's not really an assist there, is he? He's more of a goal scorer. So that wasn't quite right. Best young player, I went for Gonzalo Ramos, which, you know... Nice not a bad shout but also quite an easy shout I think at that mm. point you could see where it was going and then biggest surprise team um, I went for Rio Ave and I think I thought that they were ready to you know have a good season and and and, and surprise a few people it was decidedly average in the end but not an awful shout yeah I think Rio Ave I sort of touched it last week I felt they've, they're an example of like I felt like they're a team that got promoted but came with baggage right because they've been mm. so recently in the league whereas like the other two seem to do quite well sort of being the new guys on the block and and people not really got, being able to work them out and uh, just having good seasons so yeah um there's really you know what, I, I wouldn't mind putting rear out my surprise team next season maybe i, I think that yeah well there you have it there's our predictions and I, I hope you enjoyed having a little laugh at our expense um one thing i will say more people should put their predictions out there at the beginning of the season next season barney i think we predict the whole table one to eighteen, we go big, <laughs> and we really, uh, yeah, really put our neck out on the line. Um, well, look, let's not waste any more time. Let's get to the main event, that is the Long Ball Football Awards. As we said already, best player, best young player, best manager, and the Ryan Gould Award, all to be crowned in this episode of the Long Ball Football Podcast. The way this is going to work is we're going to give five candidates. Me and Barney will discuss it before agreeing on uh, a winner. And we are going to start, unlike the Oscars, we are going to start with the biggest award of all. And of course, that is best player. Now, we've come up with five nominations in no particular order. And we these are, we hope, fair nominations. So we've gone for João Mario of Benfica, Grimaldo also of Benfica, Otavio of Porto, Ricardo Horta of Braga and Pedro Gonçalves from Sporting. So players from each of the top four teams uh, acknowledged here. No one from outside the top four made it this time. I don't think it's too unfair to argue with these choices. though. Let's start, Barney, with uh, João Mario. Obviously, Benfica's uh, talisman scored 17 goals and got seven assists in 33 games. Slowed down towards the end of the season, but I don't think you can let that cloud what he achieved this season really no I've been really trying to think big picture with Jao Mario this season because um, and uh, you know maybe we should look back to the start where like obviously Roger Smith had been brought in and he brought in a a pretty new way of playing for Benfica you know with this tactic of you know he likes to well the, the tactics I feel dominate Benfica rather than relying on individual talent if you see I mean he's, he's very tactic heavy and Obviously, Draxler and Neres were brought in at the beginning of the window, both highly skilled players who play out on the wing. But it was it was Jao Mario who plays, and 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 the reason that is is because he 
I think he he has the intelligence and, and it also had the the belief in Roger Smith's strategy. You know, the system suits Roger Smith's system sort of suits a, a faster player, somebody who can counter press with with pace and 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 constantly, which obviously requires a lot of stamina. Jao Mario is not that exact player, um, but he he was the one trusted to play that first half of the season, and I really felt like you know that that ultimately played out the way Benfica's season went. You know, they they had this new style of play. They were dominating teams they even took it into the Champions League and it worked there they had a fantastic season and and and, and do you know what also by playing further forward you know if even if we compare it to the role that Jao Mario played at Sporting you know playing in that sort of double in the two-man midfield further back playing further forward this season from Benfica out wide we, we saw how effective he is in the attacking areas I think you know you, when I think of Jao Mario I, I sort of think of him arriving late in the box, but he also creates a lot of chances, Albert. You know, he's he's as the he's the fourth in the league for shot creating actions, you know, and uh, to use a sort of a slightly different metric. But like sorry, I, I feel like I've rambled here, but the point I'm trying to make up is I think he's been a huge player for Schmidt in, in bringing his system into Benfica, getting the team playing as that way. And um and I think we've seen the best of him in the attacking areas because of that uh, slightly more advanced role. Yeah, I agree with that. Only thing I'll add as well is that for me, João Mario, when Benfica were at their best this season, you know, when they were really going through the gears and got up to speed, other than Enzo Fernandez, he was the best player on the pitch. You know, there was that period where he was just scoring goals every single game, one, two, three goal every game. Uh, and I think he was, like I said, I've, I've used the word talisman. I think he was, you know, almost iconic in that team. And I think that's why he deserves to be in this conversation. I've also put in Grimaldo from Benfica, Barney. Also played 33 games and from left back, got five goals and nine assists. Two of those goals were from direct free kicks. He also kept 16 clean sheets. Uh, fairly easy when you're playing for Benfica. But I think Grimaldo's not really spoken about a lot uh, for Benfica. For me, he would be in my top two or three players for Benfica this season and, and best players in the league, certainly. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and I think the difference with Kamada this season, I was, I think in previous seasons, we've talked about, you know, where might uh, Grimaldo move to, you know, what club's next for him, what, what's his what's next step up. And the fact that he's moved to Leverkusen, and, and I don't know if you feel the same, but my, my feeling with that move is a bit underwhelming because, and that's due to the seasons he's had. I think he's had, he's been incredible for them. Um, you know, this for me is the best I've seen Grimaldo play uh, and also consistently as well. You know, he's been a real threat from that left-back position. Um, I've said a few times before, I feel like he really took up the creativity when Enzo Fernandez left and sort of, you know, making things happen. And obviously you, you mentioned the assist there he's got this season. Um, it's been a, it's, he's had a fantastic campaign and, and yeah, I'll, I'll say it again, I feel like, I personally feel he could have moved to a better team than Leverkusen, a sort of a, a a team really going for it in the Champions League, and and yeah, that's all credit to the way he's performed this season. Yeah, I think it was. His, I think it was. I mean, Benfica fans, let me know if you disagree, but I think it was possibly his best uh, best ever season in a Benfica shirt. And um, Otavio from Porto and Barney, interestingly for Porto, you know, maybe from their perspective, not winning the league's disappointment. Uh, they won two domestic cups, though, of course, so they, they can't complain too much. Um, 27 games, five goals, seven assists. I think with the time, it's not just about numbers, though, is it? It's about when you watch him on the pitch for Porto. It's about how this player has become a leader uh, and has become, you know, someone who who takes responsibility on his shoulders whenever he plays. And I think 
this is a player of real, real quality. I know, I know he has his issues with temperament and with uh, antics on the pitch, shall we say? But he, I think, this season more than ever, he's really shown the quality that he has, that he has, which which outshines all of those other things. Yeah, and, and hearing you talk about him there, when I think about the rest of the the Porto team, I don't think of many characters who have that presence and have that sort of um that outward facing aggression and and uh desire like you said uh, which you know i think of like Estacchio and galena and even sanusi just feel like quite mild managed players maybe maybe that's wrong but do, do you know what i mean whereas otavio is that fire and that's been really important for uh, for Porto's season, especially as the way it's panned out, you know, them constantly chasing Benfica, you know, some teams might have just given up at some points, you know, how far behind they were, but they kept going and going, and you know that was that was obviously conscious how, but there's also Otavio on the pitch making sure they there was they were always fighting, even no matter how difficult the game was panning out. Um, he's he's been brilliant, man. I I I, I think he's uh, he's really coming to his own, um, and I think he's been a a huge player for Porto, probably yeah, definitely, definitely their best, their best player. And um, Ricardo Horta then for Braga, obviously easy to forget that Ricardo Horta's season started with uh, confusion about whether he was going to move to Benfica. He, he said goodbye to the fans at the end of a game, and then the move never, mater- never materialised. Um, I can't, he was also been linked with moves away before to the MLS, where the club has accepted offers from the MLS, and he's turned it down. So you know, it's easy to forget that. Before this season, there was there was a period of uncertainty about Ricardo Horta about whether he would stay, where his future lied. In the end, he stayed with ben, uh, Braga, and, and and he committed himself for what was Braga's most successful season in in a long time. He played thirty games this season, scored fourteen goals, got eight assists, great numbers, helped his team into the Champions League, and I think he's never looked more like uh, a Braga legend than he does now. Yeah, and that's that's all credit to him, you know, with the. When the Benfica move didn't come about, I, I think I remember talking at the time. I was saying I, I'd be interested to see how Porto copes with that and and what his reaction is in it for um, while staying at Braga. And it's just been um, exemplary. He's been a, he's been a fantastic player for them. Uh, obviously, you mentioned the goals there, like some important goals in games as well. Kept the scoring, kept the momentum going. You know, they've they've had a. They've had a good. They've had a good run, and he's he's kept things ticking over. You know, you think of the other players. Obviously, they lost Vitinha. Abel Ruiz is is a bit of a uh, not the most consistent goal scorer. Obviously, Bands as well. We've seen hasn't been um, as consistent as, as as we hoped. And Ricard, but Ricardo Horto is that player who's, who's kept things going. And uh, yeah, it's a uh, yeah. I, I, I think the the thing I'm most happy about with Ricardo Horta this season is the fact that Braga got Champions League football and, and mm. what that will mean for him as well. Because yeah, and I hope he's there next year, Albert, in the Champions League. Absolutely. And lastly, then Pedro Gonzalez for Sporting. Obviously, disappointing season for Sporting. Pedro Gonzalez was the only player in the Premier League of the season to get into double figures for both goals and assists. Fifteen goals, eleven assists with. Pedro Gonzalez, I always feel like there's that question mark. Is he going to keep that quality going that he showed from his days at Family Cow? I think he's silenced the doubters for the last three seasons in a row now. Top player was, you know, one of the more consistent players at Sporting in a difficult season and, and fantastic numbers. Just 15 goals, 11 assists, 26 goal contributions in the league this season. I think it was a fantastic season for him. 
Yeah, and that's all while being asked to, you know, play different roles as well. Um, move move throughout the team so other players can be fitted into Amaran's system. Uh, yeah, he's been he's been he's been he's been excellent. And and uh, yeah, there's like you mentioned, there's there has been inconsistencies with, with with players in that team, and he's been the he's been the main man chipping in. Um, yeah, it'd be it, you know it's be, it'd be really interesting to see what happens with Pedro Gonzalez because I feel like he needs a. He's he's been he's been he's been good, and I and I think he's probably been as good as he was in his first breakout season of sporting this one. So he's 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 done well to get himself back back to that level because last year I I wasn't as impressed with him last year, but this year he's certainly put himself back at the, you know, back back in this conversation for for player of the year. All right then, well it's decision time, Barney. We have to pick one out of João Mario, Grimaldo, Otávio, Ricardo, Huerta. And Pedro Gonzalez. I've got a name in my head, Barney. I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to ask your opinion. If it's the same name as the one I've got in my head, then we're going to give it to that player. Oh, mate, this is really hard. Um, I, if I, I'm going to go for Jao Mario. Interesting. The name I had in my head was Grimaldo. Oh, I'm happy with Grimaldo. I'm okay. Grimaldo. <laughs> All right. Well, that makes it easier. <laughs> to be fair, I think the one thing about Grimaldo for me above Jao Mario is that. I think he had a more consistent season there. Yeah. He's just that caveat with Jean Mario that the last four weeks or so weren't his best in terms of goal scoring form. And I think Grimaldo, I think it is important that he gets some recognition because he spent a long time in Portugal and he's always been a player of really high quality. He's always been one of those players that you thought might move on to, shall we say, bigger things. It never quite happened. And, and with those types of players, there's always the danger that they stagnate but I go back to what I said about Grimaldo, which I think that this was his best season in a Benfica shirt. And I think to do that, you know, when you've been there a long time, it's easy for the motivation to go, but he brought it back. And I think his contribution on the pitch was consistent at an incredibly high level. So for me, I think it has to be Grimaldo as the 22-23 Premier League player of the season. Well, look, let's move on to the next award. And this one is for best young player. So just to clarify, this is any player in the league who was 21 years old or younger at the start of the season. And I like this award, Barney. It gives us a chance to explore interesting players, players from a couple of different clubs as well. So again, in no particular order, these are our nominations for the best young player of the season. We've got Andrew, the 21-year-old Brazilian goalkeeper, for Gilles Vicente. Antonio Silva, the 19-year-old centre-back for Benfica. Gonzalo Ramos, the 21-year-old striker for Benfica. Thomas Araujo, 21-year-old centre-back on loan at Gilles Vicente, also from Benfica. And Ibrahim Abamba, the 21-year-old defender from Victoria. Barney, let's start with the first name on this list, Andrew. Now, a lot of people have been putting their team of the seasons out recently and Andrew I saw his name popping up in a few of those ahead of the likes of Diogo Costa those types of names he's had uh, an incredible season easy to forget he's only played 24 games this season in the league so he hasn't always been in the team you know there was a time when it was Kritschuk playing ahead of him I think you can fairly say it was a, a breakout season for the young player but but by the end of it this is a goalkeeper that was being talked about, not just in the conversation for best goalkeeper of the season, but you know, a player that could go on to really, really big things and linked with really, really big clubs. Yeah, well, I think the the the, the key thing here, isn't it? I, I don't know. I was I was surprised when I realised he was, you know, the age he was as being so young because he's a uh, he's looks like a 
such an experienced keeper, you know. Um, he's been he's been fantastic for Jorvisen, and um, he made some really big saves. I think it's no surprise that I think Jorvisen have have two defensive players in 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 these nominations because they've had a, a really horrid season. But the reason they've managed to to stay away from danger has been the performances at the back, you know, and uh, Andrews Andrews Keita some of their results this season pulled out some magnificent saves um and yeah the main thing for me is just just his age you know i think we for me i think the goalkeeper is one of the one positions where i think it does take you know there's no you can have all the talent in the world but you need experience and you need uh uh you need games under your belt to to succeed or that's how i've always felt and Andrew's just come come in this season and, and looks looks in, in, incredible. So yeah, I think there's big moves on the horizon for him. I think anyone in this league would pick him up and like gladly so. You know, mm. uh, any of the big teams. Uh, and yeah, he's been phenomenal. Next, then Barney Antonio Silva, just 19 years old, who made his debut for the Benfica senior team this season in the middle of a uh, injury crisis at centre-back, which saw Roger Schmidt call up Antonio Silva from uh, the B team. He started that debut and he went on to start the next 30 games for Benfica. Um, Incredible, really. 16 clean sheets in that time. Um, Called up to the Portugal national team, went to Qatar with the Portugal national team for the World Cup. His rise has been, and this is an overused phrase, but meteoric. Honestly, and 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 to to start the season in the B team and end it as your team's arguably best centre back, I think that is at nineteen years old for Benfica, is it just an incredible achievement? Yeah, it's been, you know, it's been the hard thing for me. But I was thinking about um, Vitinha's breakthrough last season with Porto and how how breathtaking that was, and just how. It, um, but with that, it was, I think it was is very obvious to see, right? Because he is, is a midfielder. He sees a lot of the ball. Um, to help change the way they play. I think with a centre back, you can perhaps cross over how um, you know the the job they're doing, particularly in a team like Benfica, who are going to be dominating most matches as they did, as they have done. But you, we've still seen some immense quality from him. You know, some incredible tackles. Um, just. Doesn't seem to get caught out at all, uh, which sort of for me shows you know a, a maturity and understanding of the game. Um, I'm, I've been so taken by him as a player this season, you know, even in the Champions League as well, which is uh, you know mind-boggling that he's able to you know <laughs> just turn up to the Champions League against PSG and just you know be fine. Like um, I, 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 I'm so caught up in it all, but I'm, I'm tempted to say he could be one of the Obviously, Jao Felix is a sort of for me an anomaly, but he could be one of the biggest exports this league has seen. The the, the value he's going to go in. and because it's particularly like I said, it's centre back position. I feel like really <clears throat> you don't get as many uh, hot young centre backs, and and boy, yeah, he he is the hottest young centre back around in the, in in the world at the moment. I would say. Hmm. Absolutely fantastic season for the young man. Um, and then his teammate, Barney, Gonzalo Ramos, 21 years old, also made his uh, breakthrough to the Portugal national team this season, played 30 games for Benfica, scored 19 goals. Uh, and important to remember that none of those were penalties. So he's had a fantastic goal-scoring return. Some of us saw it coming, Barney. They predicted him as the uh, 
best young player of the season. Um, but listen, he, he's been he's been brilliant, you know. And I think before this season, it was quite clear to see that that Benfica were going to go with him as the lead striker. They were going to move on Juremchuk. They they moved on some other strikers as well. Um, and I think their faith in in the, the Gonzalo Ramos was was paid back. I think he did everything he could have asked for. Him, really, he, he scored some great goals. He scored some important goals. And I think he didn't look out of place leading the line for you know a huge, huge club like Benfica. Yeah, he's had a a really for me. It's a sort of a coming of age season, and I think we've seen so much more to his game. Um, he's you know he's good in build up. He's good on the ball. He, he makes intelligent runs. Um, I think the only thing I'd say about him, Albert, and, and this is a criticism of me, really, is that I don't think I've given him enough praise. And I think that's because in so many of Benfica's games in the league this season, the the, the goals were the wins were with heavy goal margins, right? And that sort of sort of devalues his contribution. He was just getting one or two goals here and there. Um, but you know, it's, and uh, so I I really feel like I've perhaps undervalued him. Uh, he's he's had an incredible season, and you know, all these rumors about Manu and and even Real Madrid, you know, replacing Benzema, they're, they're sort of justified because he's 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 really gone up another level. And 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 I, my biggest thing is that it's the it's the all roundness. He's not just a poacher. He's got so much to his game, and uh, and he's played so well with uh, all those different Benfica players and. Yeah, he's 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 been phenomenal. Next then, Brian. Initially, a player on loan from Benfica, another centre back, Thomas Araujo, Gilbert, twenty-one years old, played twenty-two games in the league this season. As we've said, Gilbert had a difficult season, but we've picked Andrew and Thomas Araujo out from them as as two of the best young players, and I think they've both been, you know, real shining lights in what was a difficult season for for Gilbert. Thomas Araujo, I think putting some really fantastic performances in, in that defence. He looked like the leader in that back four at times. He looked uh, mature. He looked capable. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of Benfica fans watched his performance and were thinking, well, we know Otamendi's leaving at the end of the season, but the prospect of a, a back four with with Thomas Araujo and Antonio Silva as the centre-back partnership, two products of the Benfica Academy, I think that's a really, really exciting prospect. And I think, you know, for him to do so well in, in 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 a struggling team, is why he deserves so much credit. Yeah, he's been. Um, it's going to be very interesting what happens to him uh, next season. What Benfica decides to do with him. Um, I, I'll echo pretty much everything you said there, Albert. And I think the, as you know, I'm a bit of a stats man as well. He's always scored so highly in and and lots of different defensive like um, stats in and it's it's I I I like that because it's sort of. You know, you you think you can see a, a good defender, but the, but it's nice to have the stats to back up as well, and he's certainly got that. Um, yeah, it's, I think um, the two best centre backs on um, goal points uh, season ratings were Antonio Silva and Thomas Veraldo, which isn't bad for yeah. you, you know your two young centre backs. Not bad Excellent. at all. Absolutely. Well, and lastly, another defender, Ibrahim Abamba, 21 years old, plays for Vitoria, played 28 games this season, a mixture of defensive midfield and centre-back, kept eight clean sheets, uh, got 2.3 tackles per game, which is uh, relatively high, uh, averaged 4.4 clearances again, also relatively high. Only downside for me on Bamba, loves a card. I think he got yellow cards and red cards more than a lot of other players. So perhaps he's got some discipline issues, but I think it was really nice to see a, an exciting defensive talent emerge at uh, Vitoria. 
and uh, you know the the role he's played in Victoria's success this season as well shouldn't go um, unmentioned. You know that their their strength has been that defensive line, and he's playing you know at the heart of that. You know, it's it's obviously had been a wave either side and a Amaro either side, but it's, you know he's the one. He's been the one who stand. He stood out. Um, he's had a yeah. He's had a really good season. Um, and just thinking there, how interesting we've got. You know, three centre backs on on the shortlist. Um, but you know that that you know these young players have have, have really really stood out this year, and uh, yeah, Bamba's no different. All right, then decision time. We have to choose our best young player. Out of Andrew, 21-year-old Gil Vicente goalkeeper, Antonio Silva, 19-year-old Benfica centre-back, Gonzalo Ramos, 21-year-old Benfica striker, Thomas Araujo, 21-year-old centre-back at Gil Vicente, on loan from Benfica, and Ibrahim Abamba, 21-year-old centre-back for Victoria. I tell you what, Bynum, we'll do it the other way around this time. I'll give you who I'm thinking. If you, can, if you agree, we can keep it. If not, we can change it. For me, I'm... It's between Antonio Silva and Gonzalo Ramos, the two Benfica players. I think they've both had incredible seasons, not just individually, but to be key parts of such a big team and a title-winning team at such a young age uh, is incredible. I think the one that just pips it for me, Barney, has to be Antonio Silva. Just the way he broke into this team at such a young age and went on to have such a key part of that team. I said it before, I'm not afraid to say it again, I think he was arguably better than Otamendi by the end of the season. Um, and I think he's the future of, of Benfica and Portugal's back line. Yep, I, I couldn't say it better myself, mate. I think it's just the, the how he's just, just simply turned up and gone. Like mm. and just like it's 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 incredible. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it, if I'm honest. Like a, a, a you know, such a young player just come in and and just not look out of place ever. He's been brilliant. So I'm happy to give it to Antonio Silva. All right. Well, next category, Barney. This is a good one. I think there's going to be a bit of debate here about the best manager in the league. Now, how do you define a best manager? Because we don't have stats really to back us up. We don't have goals scored and assists. Obviously, we have where their teams finished in the league. But of course, all of that is relative. So this is going to be uh, an interesting one. And if you disagree with our nominations, let us know. It was quite hard, I have to say, to pick these nominations. Um, But we'll start from the top of the table down and go for Roger Schmidt from Benfica, Sergio Constantin from Porto, Arthur George from Braga, Armando Evangelista from Aruca and Vito Campelos from Chavs. Now, start at the top again, Roger Smith. What is there left to be said? He came into a Benfica team who had thrown a lot of money at the issue, but hadn't had much success in recent years. He brought in a professionalism, uh, he brought in a ruthlessness, and he brought in some great players that turned this Benfica team from a bit of a basket case into an unstoppable force. Won the league, done well in the Champions League, and so I think Roger Schmidt is a very strong candidate for manager of the season. Completely, yeah. And it's been really nice to see, um, I'd say an outsider, you know, it's a, a manager, a, a non-Portuguese manager uh, come in and, uh, yeah, I'd say shake things up a little bit. I think it's, it's sort of um, got everyone else, well, it's raised, it's, you know what it's going to do, Albert? It's ultimately going to raise everyone's level, you know, because he's, he's shown this season it's, it's going to be tough to compete with Benfica and I think they're only going to get stronger under him. Yeah, absolutely. And Sergio Constantin, Barney, I think it's really important to include Constantin in this because, of course, 
They didn't win the league. They reduced the gap from 10 points down to one point. And I heard Sergio Contrasal said that they won three out of the four domestic cups. I think he's counting the Super Tassa as one of the domestic cups. I'm not sure if I'm having that. Even if you take it out, he won the Tassa de Liga, the Tassa de Portugal. Um, they had a decent season in Europe. And he'd done it all after his best players were sold last season. So I think it's really, really important to recognise Sergio Contrasal this season because... You know, his team might not have been what it was last season, but he's still done a really good job with what he's had, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I think he's going to be one of these managers that, you know, when when he leaves, you realise how incredible he, he he has been in, in this league. And uh, this season was no different. Yeah, he's done an, an incredible job at, you know, keeping the, um, the, the, the tight race going for as long as he could. And, yeah, but I mean, you know, you just need to look, look and compare the two squads, really, and it's it's quite obvious to me which ones are stronger between them and Portsmouth and Benfica. So yeah, fantastic, another fantastic season from Sergio Conceição. And after Jorge Braga, Barney, we said it on last week's show: a record-breaking season for Braga, and most points, most wins, most goals scored. Uh, he did it all after being promoted from the youth team. And he's come in and had an incredible season with, with Braga, getting him into third place. I mean, what an achievement. We we really cannot overlook that. Third place for Braga. I know I know Sporting were poor, but Sporting still got a points total, which was above Braga's average for the last four seasons. So they've done really well to finish in third place. And Arthur George has done an incredible job. Yeah, I I, I like how he, he's managed the team as well throughout the season. Obviously, they've lost um, a, play, a player in January and, and brought players in to sort of keep the momentum going and then that really seems to work the way he sort of inter- inter- integrated those players into the team uh, you know what a little criticism about for me or my only criticism with us George is I feel like some of the big games he he, he let the team down didn't really seem to know how to to react and and, and you know some big losses against Sporting but the, you know this is a guy who is, is hopefully going to be there next season and, and improve and it's uh, it'd be great to see what he can do in the Champions as well because yeah, it's it's a great you know just get Braga in the Champions League. I mean, come on, it's a it's a huge achievement. Armando Evangelista of Arukin and Barney. We start with the elephant in the room in the room, of course, which is that surprising to me at least. Armando Evangelista hasn't signed a new deal at Aruka, so he won't be the Aruka manager next season. But nonetheless, we have to talk about what he achieved this season with Aruka. You know, we, we we were laughing at the beginning of the show about how we both predicted them to go down. And here they are in fifth place, getting ready for European football in the Europa Conference League. I mean, he was one of the longest serving managers in the league before he left. He'd taken them from the second division to Europe. Uh, this season alone, they, they'd had some some wonderful games, some some great success. You know, they didn't necessarily always beat the big teams in eye-catching games, but they went months on end without losing to a team outside of the top four. So the consistency and the professionalism that he brought to that team to get them to where they were, you know, you look at that time in the last few games of the season where they lost to Albasso to injury and we wondered were they going to let it all slip at the just at the last minute and they didn't. They kept it all together. I mean, it's just, we've we've waxed lyrical about Aruka so much this season and, and the influence that Evangelist had on that team is just uh, incredible. Absolutely outstanding. Yeah, and he's worked wonders with that squad. You know the 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 way that squad's been put together. It's um, you know, you wonder how much say he had in it because he's, I, I, you know, he might. I, I, I want to sort of. I can't really believe that he would know every single one of those players that they brought in. You know, think of all the different places and different leagues those players were playing previously. But he's he's you know he saw what he's he, he's worked out what he's got and he's got the best out of it. And um, 
yeah, huge achievement. You know, incredible. And I just can't believe he might not be there next season, man. Absolutely. And 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 lastly, Bonnie, I put Vito Campelos as my fifth choice. I will just say it was a tough choice between Moreno at Vittoria and Felipe Martins at Casapia. In the end, I went for Campelos as our fifth nomination for Chavez, who finished the season in seventh, almost finished in the European places. I thought it was just a slightly bigger achievement than those other two managers I mentioned, based on the fact that they were a newly promoted club, based on the fact that I think they really don't have as much resources as, uh, well, certainly not as many resources as Vittoria, probably the same or more than Casapia, but then, of course, they had a much better season than Casapia. Uh, and I think, you know, they they had a great season. They they surprised a lot of people. They had some great wins along the way, even against the likes of Benfica. Um, so I think he's definitely worthy of some praise. I think that's something you can always judge a, a team outside the big four and, you know, some of the, the results they get against the big teams because that will show you, uh, you know, if like with a Benfica man, that just shows you a manager who's able to to work out a game plan to to get results when it matters, and uh, even against the big clubs. Um, I like what I love what he's done this season now, but I think it's been sort of the most it's not not simple, but the sort of most obvious way on how of of how to how to ride out a a, a season uh, a, being a club a newly promoted club throughout the season. You know, brought in a, a few bits of experience and and quality at the back. To help them on their way, and then just allow the his best players to keep doing what they're doing, like the likes of Charles Tachereau, and yeah, it's it's, it's worked a treat. And they've been a, they've had a, I've 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 certainly underrated Charles season. You know, they've they've been excellent. I think he, although it might not be confirmed yet, I think he also though might be leaving. And I think perhaps this is a topic for another time. But we've seen a <laughs> incredible turnover of, of managers at the end of the season. Um, we might save that discussion for uh, a little mid-season episode. But um, there you have it, our five nominations for Best Manager. Once again, Roger Smith, Sergio Constasau, Arthur Georges, Armando Evangelista and Vito Campelos. And this time, Barney, I will hand it over to you uh, to suggest your name for winner of Best Manager of the Season. Well, it's, it's it seems like we were going very Benfica heavy, Albert, but I think it's hard to look anywhere else other than Roger Smith. I just think the way that, you know, the... the the quality, the, sorry, the standard he demanded from the off and hasn't really let slip at all season from from Benfica has been, yeah, really impressive to see. It's hard though. I know there's others. I'm not sure if you agree. With. Well, for me, when I was thinking about this episode, Barney, it was it was a choice between Schmidt and Evangelista, and I think this this might be our first little debate of the show because I would have given it to to Evangelista, and I think this is a really interesting conversation because it is not about players, you know. This is about a manager and an influence that a manager has on a team. And you compare the achievement of Benfica winning the league with Aruka qualifying for Europe in fifth place. I think those achievements are, are comparable when you look at the context of, of those teams and what they were expected to achieve and the resources that they have available to them. So personally, I would have gone for Evangelista, but I think if we want to agree on Schmidt, we can agree on Schmidt. Because of course, Benfica's achievements are also phenomenal. Oh, I want to go with Evangelist now. If you said that, but <laughs> it was a little speech that sold it. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you, you know you're spot on, and it, and it, you know, I think it's quite easy to. It's well, it's sometimes actually quite hard to compare the achievements of clubs outside of the big four, isn't it? Because the the, the difference in resources is so vast, and yeah, I think you summed up very nicely there, Albert, in comparing the two. And uh, and yeah, I mean, I'd be more than happy to give it to Evangelista. I think let's do it, Barney. I think they deserve the the credit, you know. And and, and this is not to say that Roger Schmidt's not a great manager. 
he's an incredible manager. But I think for me, it just comes down to, like I said, that achievement when you compare what the club is expected to achieve and the resources they have available to them. I just think that fifth place finish for Aruka is something that deserves to be acknowledged with, uh, you know, real accolades because it's an incredible achievement. So I think we have to go for Evangelista. Armando Evangelista for Aruka, best manager of the season, 22-23. Um, let's do our last award, Barney. And it's the award closest to our hearts. And I think it's the award that uh, our listeners look forward to the most. Do you want to explain a little bit about the background of the, the the Ryan Gould Award? And we firmed up this category before because I think last year we left it a bit vague. It was basically best player in a bad team. This year we firmed it up. Best player in a relegated team. Although that said, we've, we've included Maritimo who are not yet relegated and may not be relegated. So I suppose it's the best player in a bottom three team, the Ryan Gould Award. Explain the history of the award for the listeners, Bonnie, if they haven't been listening uh, well, in the season. Well, me and I were very much fell in love with Ryan Gould when he was playing for Ferenc a few seasons ago. Um, just, uh, you know, it, it was probably the most obvious, um, you know, he'd, he'd been through, he'd been at Sporting for a little while, um, obviously had real quality, but it ended up at Ferenc in, in search of first team football. And it's, yeah, like I said, the most obvious example of a player being by far better than the rest of the rest of his team you know just such a standout player player of real real quality that the rest of the squad wasn't really getting close to um so yeah uh, it it just um <laughs> it yeah it we, we just wanted to keep talking about Ryan Gould essentially so we, <laughs> we made up an award for him but uh, yeah along those lines you know but a player who really st- stands out in a in a struggling team is a is a good way of describing it well, I think it's actually a very interesting way of looking at the league, you know, and looking at team season because it's one thing to do good things when you're surrounded by good players, but it's another to do good things when your team's really struggling. Uh, and the uh, the candidates I've got here, Barney, I think it's going to be uh, an an honour for Nico Gaetan to be compared to Ryan Gould. I think, you know, when he looks back on his career and, and the, uh, <laughs> the things he's achieved, I think he'll put that at the top. So I'm going for Nico Gaetan. Pastor Ferreira, Vito Antunes, also at Pastor Ferreira. Marafona, the goalkeeper at Pastor de Ferreira. I think a few Passos fans might not like that one, but I thought he was all right. Uh, Bruno Chardas at Maritimo and Gabriel Silva at Santa Clara. Let's not waste too much time on this one, Barney. But Nico Gaitan, I just thought, was, was uh, along with Antunes, actually, we can probably discuss them together because they were very similar. We spoke a lot about how Passos had the advantage of these, these leaders, these veterans in the likes of... Gaitan and Toons, even Luis Carlos. And I think at times those players were not just the best technically, but also the most committed uh, and looked like they had the most heart and, and looked like the most likely to drag this team out of out of the problems that they had. And I think of the of the bunch, Nico Gaitan was the best. I think technically he still had an awful lot to give. We still saw games when he was the best player on the pitch, the player most likely to make things happen. He scored a couple of important goals. He had some assists. Um, and I thought he actually had a really good season for Passos, even though obviously it ended in relegation. Yeah, because you know if it, if he was surrounded by better players, he might have chipped him with a lot more assists. And, and you know, I just think of some of his like instinct, like his uh, I can't remember if it was resulted in assists, but like he was facing away from the goal and the box, but and the ball was played for him just first time without looking, just whips it in into a real dangerous area. Um, yeah, he he's he's been yeah he he's a he's a real gem in that team, um, and Tunis as well. I think has showed the heart we perhaps didn't see 
as as much quality as Gaetan showed. I think Marathon is an interesting one as well, Albert, because um, yeah, he 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 really made a difference when he came in in January. You know, experienced Portuguese goalkeeper when he came from there, Turkey, um, and he really improved them defensively. It just you know once again, it's, it perhaps wasn't enough. But you know, I think you noticed when he wasn't in the team as well towards the latter end, uh, stages of the season. He he was a, he was a great goalkeeper for them. Yeah, Marathon also had that moment where he got sent off in a moment of madness. So uh wasn't all perfect from him. And Vitor Antunes, um, I just I just thought he was really, really, really committed, really uh he was the player that motivated the rest of the team to try and do well. Even though he wasn't amazing on the pitch, I'm pleased to see that he renewed his contract for another year to try and get Passos promoted at the first time of asking. So, you know, three players there from Passos, far from perfect, but um, I think still deserves some credit. And then Bruno Shadows from Maritimo Barney. From Maritimo, I wasn't sure which player to pick. He could have gone for maybe Thierry Correa. Um, but there, there, there wasn't much quality in that side. I thought Bruno Shadows was still a very influential player. I thought a very creative player. And at times he looked like um, the only player of, of real quality in that side, even though I will admit he wasn't consistent. Um, I, I, I'm inclined to disagree with you there, Albert, on his consistency. I thought I always felt like he was trying to make things happen. Uh, he played sort of quite a central behind the striker sometimes. Sometimes he'd play it wide, but he, I think he was that one man for Maritimo. I mean, you look at um, a, a stat statistic I've, I've found quite interesting, shot-creating actions. He's ninth in the league for shot-creating actions. You know, the, the only people better than Ricardo Horta, Pedro Gonzalez, Mario Tavia, Marcos Edwards, Yuri Medeiros, Alex Grimaldo. You know, these are huge players, and and Jalis is right up there with them. So yeah, I think he's been. Um, I think he's been really good for Maurizio. I think. I think he's. I think he's been underrated, if anything, Al. But uh, I think he's. He's really shown his quality. In a really bad side. Let's be fair. They're, they're, mm. Particularly up front, there they've been lacking in that in that area. Absolutely. And, and Gabriel Silverbine, I might have to lean on you for this one because I haven't paid too much attention to him, although I know that he's a, a player that has has scored a decent amount of goals for Santa Clara who were, let's face it, absolutely terrible. But he's a young Brazilian player who, who actually looked quite decent and, and scored some important goals. Well, he had, the, he had, a, he had a, a streak of games where he suddenly looked like, wow, who is this player? Where have they found him? And then he went quiet. I think that's his only... Uh, downside, you know, and at, at the end of the season, when the sort of uh, when they were all but down, he sort of been the, and the pressure was slightly off them a bit. I think he he came out of his shell a bit more, and we saw a glimpse of a really talented player. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens because I think you know his his, his numbers and his stats, he, he, you know, he, he he looks quite good. Um, but yeah, he just he just dipped out of form a bit too much for me, Albert, and 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 didn't really have that much of an effect as I thought he might have when he when he he started his was it. Three goals in four games or something like mm. that. Yeah, obviously difficult to difficult to perform in such a bad team, though. Um, well, look, let's give it to someone, Barney. I'm going to put a name out there. I think you know who I'm going to say. For me, I, I just want to give it to Nico Gaetan because I, I just, of all those players, you know, I enjoyed watching him the most. And he, he was the player, maybe along with Antunes, although Antunes, it was more off the pitch. But on the pitch, Nico Gaetan was the player that gave me the most confidence, the most belief that that Passos could stay up. Out of all those players, I think he was the most influential on the pitch. And so for me, I think that's why it has to go to him. 
Doesn't hurt that he's got a one of a left foot as well, like Ryan Gould. So, yeah, beautiful, fits nicely. (laughs) Well, there you have it for another season of the Long Ball Football Awards. Just to recap where our awards went, the Ryan Gould Award for Best Player in a Relegated Side goes to Nico Gaetan for Pastor Ferreira, Best Manager. After much debate, goes to Armando Evangelista at Aruka with a special commendation for Roger Schmidt at Benfica. The best young player, a player 21 years or younger at the start of the season, goes to Antonio Silva for Benfica. And last but not least, best player for the Premier League in the 2022-23 season goes to Grimaldo of Benfica. Benfica.